Welcome back to Bash University Live. We were talking about forward-facing sonar uh, during the break. We can't stop the show just because we're running a commercial break. We still got to keep going on it. But uh, amazing. We're going to be dealing with that again real quick. But, but Riz, you just filmed a, uh, a commercial for us, uh, not last week, but the week before. For Waterwood Custom Baits? Yeah. Yeah, I did. We're uh, we're going to be excited to be rolling that one out, hopefully here at the end of the show. Um, dude, they are awesome crankbaits, by the way. Like, when, like you guys are going to see that are watching the show, when we roll that first commercial, I catch a fish in the commercial, and I say, that was literally my second cast. Yeah. It was literally my second <laughs> cast with that crankbait that, yeah. that I caught one, and that's an amazing thing, right? Because when you when you tr when you're trying out a new bait, mm -hmm. what you need to get confidence in that new bait is the first bite, right? And when it happens that that quickly, it makes a light bulb go off for you. Now I'm I'm throwing them a lot. They um, they're the thing I've noticed about them, Pete, is those Waterwood custom crankbaits. They they you can throw them a mile, but they 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 float like like the balsa does and you have that same balsa type action that you get out of mm. those baits that are sometimes light and kind of potato chippy they're uh they're pretty bad to the bone man yeah. they got the they got the the stamp of approval uh. <laughs> <laughs> well we look we look forward to seeing that and want to welcome them to the bash university program um it's we, we've been talking with those guys for years so it's great to have you guys with the bash university want to invite you guys to check those baits out and uh Right now, we're gonna we're gonna check out one of the Bash University instructors. Uh, by the way, we're releasing uh, Josh, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit. We're, why we got him here? We're gonna corner him, but he's gonna mm -hmm. teach us about spy baits, which is something that uh, um, is is a tremendously uh, difficult tool to get confidence in. And Josh is a great teacher, and you're gonna see that being released on this Thursday. But right now, we're gonna talk about his great win. At the U.S. Open, got a, got a, another big trophy under his belt. I know one that you really wanted, and uh, I tickled to death to have you here with us, Josh Bertrand. How are you, buddy? Hey guys, what's going on? It's always an honor to uh, chat and hang out with you guys. Man, it's uh, it it has to be, it has to feel good, right? The U.S. Open, man, that is like the badge of honor. It, it's one of the original fishing tournaments. Uh, it has to feel really good to get that one. It does, Pete. I mean, I honestly, I uh, have never been emotional like I was on that final day in fishing ever. You know, I mean, I, I've been nervous at times on the water for various reasons, right? During tournaments, the tournament fishing, but never been that nervous, never been that excited. And then after the fact, never, you know, just never, never had that feeling before. So it was pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, I think if, if you know, like, uh, like Spencer Sheffield came all the way from Arkansas and absolutely kicked butt and uh, came close to winning pound and a half from winning. If he would have won, it might've been just another awesome tournament for him. You know what I mean? He's been kicking so much butt lately and uh, you know, it, his first time shows up, wins the tournament. It might not have been the same feeling to him as someone like me who kind of grew up in the Southwest. And, you know, I fished that thing, six or seven times now and some guys have fished it 20 30 times but uh and i've been on both ends of the spectrum i mean last year it's it's such a tough tournament last year i was in the top 10 the first day going into the last day uh within a pound of first and i blanked on the last day so um i got to chew on that all year long you know what i mean it's just sure. one of those tournaments 
not a regular season tournament where you get another shot in a couple of weeks, right? You got to sit on it all year. So uh, to get lucky enough to have it happen uh, really left me speechless. Well, it was, uh, I could see the emotion coming out of you, uh, you know, really exciting. Uh, did, how did it go for you on the last day? Were like, were you, your nerves going crazy? Did it happen early? Was it a grind all day? How did, how did the last day go down for you? Yeah, of course it took all day, man. <laughs> just like of course. It, just like it should. You know, the first two days went really well. I mean, like better than I could have ever expected. I had almost all my weight the first two days in like a couple hours of fishing, you know, and then just laying off. And um, oh, I watched the lake just get pounded by fishermen. You know, I had laid off, but no one else did, right? So uh, the fish were still getting pounded, and I didn't know if there was much left. Uh, for the last day and uh, it took all day I got off to a real slow start and just plucked away and, and the the best thing one of the best things that Billy does the tournament director for one bass in this tournament is there is no cut so you got 200 cool. guys fishing on the final day no matter what place they're in right and that's mm -hmm. okay um, but it makes it tough but what Billy does is he goes the takeoff is in order of your place and okay. then the check-in is in reverse order of your place. Mm. So if you're first place, you're the first guy out and the last guy in. So oh, that is amazing. Fight. That is it's cool. A cool rule, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, hey, if you're in, and I've been there, like I said, I mean, if you're at the bottom of the pack, you're about ready to get home at about <laughs> three o'clock after six straight days. I, of I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, for, we all do. But uh, yeah, it give, I, I knew that I had till 5.15 to weigh in. I had all that day is to awesome. catch five good baths. So, it's yeah. uh, like a dream now, come true. And it took all day. But it's a great tournament rule. And, and you know, that like tournament, that. you know, it's uh, they give every day they give five big bass checks away for $1,000. They give a big bag check away. So there's still a lot to be fishing for, uh, for the pro and am. So there's, you know, you had a bad week. You can go out there the last day, maybe catch a big fish and, and get most of your entry fee back. So it's it's kind of a, a cool high stakes gambling style tournament. And uh, if you're going to have all guys fishing the last day, it's a great way to do it. Wow. Man, that's such a cool yeah, it thing. Is. I didn't realize all that was going on out there, but I, I Could love you imagine that. that on tidal water. Yeah, yeah right. in a summertime a summertime tidal water oh, you launch at a uh, 5 30 and you're not due back until 5 30 <laughs> oh sweet i get two you're full tide swings yeah. get a good tide yeah. yeah you'll see you'll That's see it awesome. god yeah man that that and and from a from a tournament perspective it it makes a lot of sense too because yeah. now you can i mean it build. sucks for the guy in last place yeah, you well know? you can build like you want to hold the guys that are going to potentially win the tournament to the last yeah to weigh in anyway yes. but but by doing it this way it 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 naturally yep. puts those guys in contention as the last to come across the stage for sure what a Love neat, that what a neat it's so many neat concepts let Ted, this concept I think is super cool. I've never fished under this format. People watching may never don't may not understand, but you you have a merging of weights with the co angler right. uh, each day. H how does that work? Okay, so yeah, it's shared weight, and that's another thing. It's it's been like that forever with one bass, and uh, it's great because you know you're you're every day you fish with a different guy, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
but your weights are going to be together. You're fishing for five bass between the two of you. So, you know, the, the, the tournament meeting, you get your draws day one, day two, and day three, and whatever you catch in the boat that day is your weight for that day. And it carries with you through the event. So, um, it's great because you don't have two guys competing with each against each other Mm. in the boat that day, you're a team, you're working together. You know, a lot of times I'll kind of talk to my uh, co-angler and Hey, if he's real experienced, um, I kind of let him do his thing, but if he's, if he's open to it and he's not, you know, he shows up and he's got a crazy hook on his drop shot rig or something <laughs> like that, I'll have an extra rod and say, Hey dude, you want to use this today? You know, and, it, <laughs> and you both, you both learn from it. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the best thing is, you know, each, so each of my guys caught one big smallie that went into the bag and it helped a lot. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, there's there's so many advantages to that you know it's a it's a great way to yeah. learn as a triple a and it's a, a good way to have fun and make a make a fast friend out there when you're, you're fishing together not against each other for sure like yeah. think about how many times you've had a you know your co catches one of the fish that like you needed yeah. and you're like uh -huh. oh man yeah. the you resentfulness don't. is so real yeah. but in this <laughs> you might be the best guy ever but yeah in that moment it's like really, really bro like seriously you're really gonna you're actually gonna catch one like yeah. <laughs> it, it does it because there there is that 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 friction yeah at times between the co-anglers and boaters. Yeah. And ah, dead stick and a spinner bait yeah. again. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this eliminates that. And it puts, yeah. the, it puts two guys working together yeah, uh, and having awesome. fun and, and hugging and high-fiving when you catch one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're really, truly cheering each other on. Yeah. It's did you very like unique. when they when they jacked that big smallmouth that was going in the bag? Did you like give him a back rub and <laughs> you know go do a, be a belly bump? What did you guys do? Yeah, no kidding. You're keeping them fed all day long. Good food, energized, yeah, cooler, <laughs> cheering ice. them on. You yeah. know, no, it's but you are. I mean, it's uh, it's great. It's 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 fishing three different team tournaments with three different guys out there over the course of three days. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's just a learning opportunity, right? If I get to fish with him, like, as a uh, back boater, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Great. Grabbing one of his rods and, and, and getting <laughs> yeah. after it, you know? So that that's awesome. – uh, well, that's – you had um, – you had – you're caught smallmouth. Lake Mojave. Uh, this is in Arizona. It's a desert lake, uh, and it's it had to look like a – dead. was there any water in the lake at all? Were you guys just <laughs> – it, it's drought out there, right? So, so yeah, and let, I'll break it down real quick. So typically this tournament's at Lake Mead. It's been at Lake Mead for the last 39 or 40 years. Um, and Lake Mead, as everyone's seen on the news, is not drying up, but it's very low. I mean, it's still a huge lake, but it's very low. It's, mm. you know, right now it's down probably 160 feet from full pool. Yeah. So it's still wow. 400 feet deep in the middle of the lake i heard i i read somewhere it was 30 percent capacity and that was several weeks ago you know yeah i mean it's uh it's it's yeah i guess maybe acreage wise that that could that could be probably for sure true but um that's the that's the lake above lake mojave mm -hmm. the water's so low on me that there used to be like six marinas on the lake and now there's only one and that that marina has one brutal launch ramp that's like a lane and a half and that's the only launch ramp on the lake for the whole city of Las Vegas. And uh, 
obviously you're not going to be hosting a 200 boat tournament out of that launch ramp. Um, so we had to move it to Lake Mojave for the first time ever. And Mojave is a lake on the, it's on the Colorado river below Lake Mead. So Lake Mead spills into Lake Mojave. It's about, I don't know, probably 50 miles long. Um, but the cool thing about the lakes below Mead is they are able to keep them full. Like, so we see how low Mead is, but Mojave runs about 95% full most of the time. Okay. Uh, Havasu's Lake below Mojave. That thing stays full. They're a little smaller, but they're able to keep them full. I got you. Yeah. So the Lake Mead operates as flood control and water management for the lower lakes. Uh, we had, we we see that at a you know some of the lakes down here. Lake Kerr dumps into Lake Gaston in in the Virginia North Carolina. Does the same thing. Gaston needs to stay full pool where Kerr can fluctuate. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were dealing with a, a, a you know, full pool situation. So um, you're you're targeting smallmouth. I mean, uh, take take us through what happened at practice. How'd you dial into the winning pattern? What was the winning pattern? Sure. Yeah. And uh, so, so the lake is generally full. As I said, this there's one month every fall where they do drop it about eight feet, and uh, that's September or uh, October. And so that was happening. So it's, it's relatively full, but water falling, that's part of the pattern, part of the story, right? Um, and it's pulling a lot of the fish that live typically, the lake's got a lot of shallow grass, shallow water tules, uh, sh- shallow water wood. It's a great power fishing lake, even though the water's clear most of the time. But even just that little bit of water falling out really sucked a lot of the fish off the bank. Right. Um, you know, it's October, the fall wants to get here. But it's still been really warm, you know. At uh, looking at that tournament on paper, you could, you could go either way. It could be a fall shallow water topwater tournament, um, which has been so many times at Mead, or it could be a deep water tournament like it was this week because the the weather just stayed so warm. It was still 100 degrees every day. Um, the water temp was about 80. So um, essentially, you know, it just it pulled the fish off the bank. It pulled them out to the offshore structure, especially the smallmouth. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the deal for me, you know, in practice, one thing that I got burned on so many times, especially earlier in, uh, my tournament fishing was sticking to only one thing throughout practice, right? You go out and have a good first day of practice. And then you're like, okay, I just need to make expand on this and find as many places to do this as possible. Well, when the conditions change, which they always do, or something happens and that's not working, you've got nothing. You're, you're starting from scratch. So I, even though I thought there'd be a really good chance I could catch them deep, um, I made sure to go both shallow and deep back and forth as much as possible during practice, just so I had some extra stuff to do in case for whatever one thing that could happen was maybe a 20 mile an hour wind where you got four foot waves. It's an extremely rough lake and you can't get out there and dangle the drop shot in four footers very well. You know what I mean? It works on great lakes, but in this situation, it was more specific. It would have been hard to do. So I made sure that I, I went back and forth and I caught some fish shallow in practice, but deep was definitely better. Um, you know, if you're throwing a drop shot rig flatworm from Berkeley, just like we do up in the Northeast where you guys are at mm-hmm. and you know, the, the Midwest, it, it works everywhere for smallmouth. And, uh, soon as I got some bites doing it, um, I knew I could, I could count on that, right? Like, and that's one thing I love about smallmouth fishing with that flatworm is 
the bait selection is so simple. You don't have to worry about rifling through a lot of different rods and baits. If all you have to do is find the fish and you know, they're going to bite it. There's to me, there's no better thing to catch a bass, a smallmouth bass on. So, um, you know, at the end of practice, I felt like the deep bite was better. I had a couple shallow deals in my back pocket in case I needed them, but I was going to go in deep. And, uh, that really the first day of the tournament went perfectly. I mean, you, the, this lake doesn't have giant schools of bass this time of year. They'll school up in the fall and chase bait from what I've heard. I've only been, this is my first tournament I've ever fished there, believe it or not. Um, but it, um, it, it started perfect the first day. I caught a couple big ones on each of my first few spots and had most of my weight by 930. Um, and then just spent the rest of the day just poking around. You know, the lake was going to get hammered. So I said, if I'm going to catch any bass past this point in the morning, it's going to be off a community hole. I'm not taking anything off of a spot that I might need later on. So I really hit like the most obvious community stuff all day. Um, second day was similar. Started really well. Didn't get anything the first area or two, but it started clicking around eight. And then again, by 10, we had most of our weight and same thing, just community hole hop the rest of the day. And then the last day, as I talked about, it was stressful and uh, a lot tougher, but, um, that long day, thankfully, I just was able to kind of catch one every hour, hour and a half and call up to about 18 pounds. Well, that, that's that, awesome. That's terrific, terrific, uh, terrific win. Guys, if you're watching at home, uh, guys watching over at Bashi.tv, if you've got questions for Josh, I'm telling you right now, you've got one of the drop shot masters here. Uh, and he, you know, whatever question you might have, We'll pass it through to Josh. Who's who's watching over uh, on Bashy right now? Oh man, now? we got a great crowd today, Pete. Uh, we got Logan's out there, Dustin Grant, uh, eighty-eight, uh, Logan, uh, Howie Range, New York. Howie, Chris. Howie's out Chris. there. Uh, Stephen Walden's in there too. So yeah, <laughs> Mr. Higgs is always on there, but yeah, it's all good. Or Stefan. Stefan. Yo, Stefan. What's up, Stefan? Oh yes. Yeah, oh, sorry. Oh, always good to <laughs> have you guys with us. And uh, like I said, we'll pass your question along to Josh. But I've got a couple questions for Josh right now. Um, a couple. You were talking. You're talking about specific structure. It seems like you're fishing for one or two fish. Was it? Uh, I don't know. Was it a drop, a rock, a brush pile? What? What? What kind of structure were you catching these fish on? Yeah, good question. Hey, Pete. Before I get to your question, I got a quick question for you. Can you guys hear my neighbor's landscaper right now, or is my mic doing a good job of cutting it out? Nah, man. Pete. I I don't hear any background. I don't noise. hear anything. Good. Yeah. That's, these mics awesome. are amazing. That sounds like uh, they're cutting down a tree next door, which I know they're not. <laughs> but uh, we need we need sorry. those kind of mics. I mean, uh, you drop a pencil, you hear it on our mic. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, I don't know. This was not very expensive, but anyways, um, yeah. So. That's just normal on these on the Colorado River lakes. They don't have crazy populations of fish like a Lake Champlain or a Lake Erie or Ontario, something like that. You know, these lakes have they're good fishing, but um, they're just a lot of dead water. And and what is good, you might have a wolf pack of bass that lives there. You know what I mean, or is relating to an area. So um, you know, you've got to be really smart about managing your fish and um you know you've got to you're looking for little spots and opportunity opportunities to capitalize right you can't idle around all day waiting to idle over to the mother load you've got to cobble it together and the guys that are really good at cobbling stuff together like cliff perch is a guy who is like amazing at 
having a good memory, seeing a fish here and going to catch that one bass. And then he'll, he'll go catch one bass over there that's sitting next to a stump. And then he'll, you know, remember there was one path, patch of grass over there and he'll catch one bass off of that. And that's what it takes on these Colorado river lakes. And uh, what I was doing was somewhat similar, but just a deeper version of that. You know, um, you might have a lot of times it was structure, you know, maybe a point or a hump or the edge of a flat. Um, but that stuff really got, it got hammered. And as the week went on, you had to get even more creative. Um, you know, and sometimes uh, towards the end, it was even like, you might have two points and then a saddle in between the two points. And typically without the pressure, the fish would go sit on the points in the ideal place to be, but all the boats sitting on top of their head might've pushed the fish down into the saddle. Mm. And instead of just hitting the two obvious points, now you're having a, let's look in this saddle and see if there's maybe one sitting on the edge of the break in the saddle. And you might get one doing that. You know, it was just, you had to get, it was the obvious stuff at first. And then as the week went on with the fishing pressure, you had to get more creative. And I think a big part of that too, is the clear water. The water is so clear. Those fish get, they're extra sensitive. You know, they don't get fished for that hard on that lake all year. But, um, you know, during this tournament, I mean, all you heard was pressure, pressure, pressure. And all you saw were boats. Yeah. I mean, it was a, a musical chair. So you'd have a good looking <laughs> spot, you know, a long point that stuck out in the lake and that spot would get fished 30, 40 times in a day. I mean, it was crazy. So, um, by the end of it, there's not a bass sitting on that point anymore, you know? <laughs> how, how deep were those bass? I'm curious. So they, as yeah. clear as that lake was, how deep were you fishing? 20 to 40 feet. You know, mm -hmm. it, uh, it kind of varied on the type of spot. Um, it wasn't like one specific depth for me, but it definitely seemed like, you know, obviously the deeper fish towards the end, especially later in the day, were a little bit less uh, beat up for sure. Interesting. You know, it's uh, we just talked to Tristan McCormick, who won the Open on Hartwell. I don't know if you got to hear any of that, but his pressured fish, fishing almost identical patterns, really, uh, except for spots. They yep. move. They move shallow. They move shallow because of the. How pressure. interesting! How interesting! Right. He was he was up in the eight nine feet by the end of the tournament, uh, catching the winning fish because yeah, the twenty to twenty five foot mark was where all the boats were sitting uh that's a great adjustment right there did did you, you saw the fish go deeper and that's how you did it yeah I, you know it seemed like they surely pulled off to the side and just pulled off the tops of the stuff right if that yeah, makes sense sure um and then you know just as a whole i mean if you're gonna and this is a lesson for tournament fishing uh, all the anglers that are listening but i mean just a, a, a bass fisherman by nature is going to be more hesitant to go deeper, right? Like we're all like, we all learned how to bass fish fishing shallow. And I would say that there's a higher percentage of bass fishermen that are confident fishing shallow than there are going real deep. So the answer is not always to go real deep. I mean, we saw it with Tristan last week, like they're saying, they went shallower. But in this case, I just thought if you're going to get away from the pressure, the only way to do it is to go deeper than 75% of the field is willing to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I know. It, it, everybody seems to have that bottom where they're afraid to go deeper, but it's uh, it's cool that, you know, you're fishing down to 40 feet. Take us through uh, your setup uh, on on your drop shot, Garrett. We're using a flatworm. Uh, what color, what what line diameter were you using? I know that water's gin clear out there. Don't, yes. don't say morning dawn. 
<laughs> that's a that's a good color out west, but it wasn't my color this week, man. It uh, you know I, I just use a pretty standard smallmouth drop shot setup. It was a uh, uh, green pumpkin flatworm, three point mm-hmm. six inch with a number one Berkeley Fusion nineteen drop shot hook, a about a two foot leader, three eighths ounce XPS tungsten weight, um, six pound test trialing fluorocarbon, so six. I won't go less than six. I mean, six and six, the trialing is pretty tough six. Yeah. So you can, That's you don't like have to baby others. the fish too, too bad on six. Um, tying that to an eight pound Berkeley X5 main braid um, using a 610 medium light Abu Garcia Pro Series drop shot rod that I helped design. Um, and then a Revo 30 MGX reel. Now, like with that rod, um, a lot of times when I'm smallmouth fishing like Great Lakes and stuff, I use a medium. For those giant smallies you know fishing those big waves and you might be using a half ounce weight so it's a little easier to pitch that thing around with a medium but when you're going that deep and the bite's real subtle i feel like a medium light is much more sensitive than a medium it's just lighter in your hand mm-hmm. the tip's softer you're going to feel those yeah. subtle bites better and then with only six pound test when you get a big small mouth up near the boat it's going to be more forgiving. You know, it's, it's got the odds of it break, uh, of it breaking off are obviously a lot less on a medium light than a medium. And, uh, the lake is sneaky bad about having zebra mussels in it. Right. So, uh, you never know when you're going to have a Nick in your line. I didn't realize the zebras are out there in the Colorado big time. And I think that's part of an extra reason why the water is so clear, right? Cause they do yeah. filter and clear the water even more, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they're, I mean, it's, it's funny. You go out to uh, Lake Mead and with the, the way the water drops like that, the muscles are all stuck to the rocks. And when the wind blows, it sounds like you're in a tunnel of wind chimes. Cause you just hear the, no the muscles just chiming on each other, but yeah, they're a, uh, they're a big factor. Uh, they're pretty much in all of our lakes out here. Just, like some other parts of the country yeah well that's that's interesting i hadn't hadn't really heard that before about the zebras out there it's it's very unique part of the country um out there on the desert lakes guys you got to get out there and check it out and uh i i hope to get out there one day i've been i know ike got to fish the u.s open i think last year and he i was did. so yep. i was so jealous because uh i got to fish lake mead like 20 years ago in a bass no Masters. Way. yeah it was um yeah, it was it was forever ago, but I, I loved it because it reminded me of fishing up in the clear waters of the Great Lakes and the places that yeah. I was familiar with. And um, I, but I was fishing tumbleweed. That was the <laughs> <laughs> that was the most amazing thing. I mean, the, the I believe it, dude. That's funny. <laughs> you know those tumbleweed bushes yeah. that grow and 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 then when the the lake rose, all that tumbleweed had flooded. And uh, and the bass were man, they yeah. were munching in that stuff. It road was runner, crazy. Roadrunner <laughs> trails. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's all awesome stuff, man. Yeah. But um, I, I'm, I know we got some questions yeah, for Josh. What, what do we got on the IM in? board? So, uh, yeah, go, going back to the drop shot scenario. So wondering, uh, New York Chris, uh, wondering how to choose the tag and length for a drop shot. Uh, do you start long, cut it down, or do it the other way? Tag and length for the drop shot. I uh, pretty much have a system where I go pretty short for largemouth. You know, a lot of times when I'm fishing for those guys, I don't want to make them swim up too high off the bottom to bite it, so I go a foot or less. But on smallmouth, they're so curious and they're such sight feeders, especially in clear water. I feel like if you're the closer your bait is to the bottom, the more camouflaged it is. 
the higher up off the bottom it is, the easier they can see it, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're a small mouth and you see that thing coming down from the surface, you follow it all the way to the bottom and you've got a short weight, a short leader, it could blend into the bottom and be harder for that fish to find. And he might give up on it a little quicker. If you have a short leader, if you've got a longer leader, it hangs up there in their face a little bit longer. And uh, I don't think generally smallmouth have too much of an issue swimming a couple of feet to go eat something. Yeah, that's great. Great answer. Yeah, that actually answered uh, I can fish it's uh, question of tricks from drop, drop shotting techniques from shallow to deep. What adjustments do you make there? Right. Uh, but I think we covered that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. New York Chris. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're, you're using forward-facing sonar here. Um, and, it, you know, we've heard this is – to me, it sounds like you're fishing the in-between spots. This is being repeated over and over again. Like the primary spot uh, is, you know, fishing pressure, move the fish. So you're looking at saddles. You're looking at the in-between stuff that's close to a primary spot. And that's how you're winning. That's how you won this tournament. It's, it's, you know, every, the fishermen are getting better, right? The electronics are getting better, live scope, mapping, everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you show up to a lake. We talked about it at the beginning of the week. The fish are sitting where they're supposed to sit, like where you read the book about bass fishing and the fish are where the book says they're at. But after they, uh, they get that pressure, it's easy for them to move. So, um, yeah, live scope is pretty cool because – whether that's the case or not, but live scope gives you the confidence to maybe fish through some of these lesser spots a little faster because you're able to see whether they're there or not. You know, I mean, it's if you're going to, you got this big, ugly looking deep flat, and to go fish that thing without live scope, you got to actually cast through the whole thing and slowly just pick it apart. It would take forever. But with live scope, you can kind of buzz through real quick and be like, and just do it in a third of the time and it gives you that freedom to to check out some of those places that you might not normally fish absolutely does and and we're hearing it over and over again as we all learn uh to use it but um we're launching it's 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 josh bertrand week here at the bash university yeah uh we've got uh take it we i mean we're we're thrilled to have you here on the live show uh but we're really thrilled to, to have you give a spy bait seminar for us recently, which we're going to be releasing uh, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, uh, you know, guys are wanting to learn a spy bait. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bait I think is a little difficult to build confidence in. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what recommendation would you have for somebody wanting to pick up a spy bait and, and try to learn this technique? Yeah, you know, and, and we obviously go really into detail on a lot of it. Um, the one thing I'll say is it's an amazing tool for catching fish that are hard to catch. You know, fish that are uncatchable sometimes with other techniques you can catch on a spy bait. Um, and we dive into what those situations are, what the conditions are and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing, if you're going to throw it for the first time, I really don't think that I, the way to do it is to, you know, go out and say, listen, I'm going to throw a spy bait all day. It's the only rod I'm bringing. I'm going all day to throw a spy bait because it's a situational tool, right? Like you might do that. If you're a new angler and you're trying to learn how to throw a jig, you can take one jig rod to the lake and do it all day. And that's a good way to learn. But with the spy bait, tie it on, put it in a boat 
and then look for the the right situation to throw it and then try it in that situation. And you'll be surprised how quickly you catch a bass. And that one thing will give you the confidence. You know, I, you need to know, I talk about in the deal, you need to know that you're around fish before you throw that thing. You need to be around fish because it's a slow presentation. And if you just pick that thing up and start searching, you're going to hate it after about 15, 20 minutes, mm. you know, because you're not covering any water. You're not, it's not finding the fish for you. But if you, if you're in a clear water situation, the fish are hard to catch. Maybe they're suspended. Maybe they're highly pressured. Um, you can pull, bust that thing out of the rod locker, slowly reel it through the zone and uh, be shocked at, at what you can make bite with it. Let me let me ask you. I know. I now we know smallmouth. It's a dominant tool. Do 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 the spots and largemouth? I mean, do you, have you had equal success with those? I would say maybe not equal, but I've had good success with it. You know, it's definitely at times, and uh, you know, I've had it work in in highly pressured uh, shallow water largemouth situations, like using our slow sink from Berkeley over grass during the post spawn, right? big females sitting around bluegill beds and stuff, uh, smaller males eating fry and then just, mm. but in a highly pressured area, right. Where right. they're, the fish are, um, seeing a lot of wacky worms, maybe top waters and stuff like that. Gone through with a, a spy bait and caught them really well. Um, spotted bass. It's phenomenal because they have nature to suspend and they eat a lot of bait fish, right? So that's just, that's the perfect bait to fish suspended fish that eat bait fish. It's really good around bridge pilings, reeling it over top of brush piles for spotted bass. Um, they really like it for sure. Well, it's a great seminar, um, you know, looking forward to, you know, sharing it with the whole Bass University audience. You're, you're really, you're very articulate, and you have a great way of breaking stuff down. So, guys, if you want to learn about a spy bait, um, it's, it's, we're releasing it on Thursday, so you want to check it out from Josh and and, um, man, that was a great seminar. That was a great win. Um, we, we, you got a bat, you got a boat, you, you want a bass cat. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Maybe you can list it on bass boat boats for sale, bassboatforsale.com. One of the sponsors that bash you put it up there. I guarantee you'll sell it in a week. Yeah. Hey, I know Josh. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give him a shout for sure. <laughs> hey, that's all. Well, what's next for you? Are you done for the season or, uh, what's next for you? Yeah, I pretty much am. You know, it's uh, it's been a, a busy couple of months. You know, it's uh, our, our season this year was like real busy, then real slow, then real busy, yeah. then real slow, then real busy. So, you know, coming off a, a six or seven week stretch of almost solid tournaments, uh, I'm happy to be slowing down a little bit for the wintertime. Um, I'll just fish. I love to fish around home. I'll jump in a couple of tournaments just like you guys do. You guys, you guys can't stay off the water in the middle of the winter up there. You're still fishing. And I'm the same way. I'll be fishing all the uh, all winter long and uh you know just uh I'm, I'm working on getting a little youtube channel going so uh doing that doing uh my podcast too anglers happy hour so that that'll keep me busy but uh really more than anything just uh hanging out with the uh, family and and uh relaxing that's that's awesome well enjoy let me ask you are you how close are you to san diego uh about uh five hours that's not too Are you far. coming out there? No, I, I would. I, I wish I could, but I'd like you to go out there tonight and uh, root for the Phillies for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mind. Hey, dude. Well, I hate to. I, I hate to. Uh, you know, be on the opposite side of this one. But the closer for the uh, Brewers, Josh Hader, who's from your neck of the woods. He's a, a good buddy of mine. He's a. He's an awesome fisherman and hunter. So. No uh, kidding. 
I got to root for the Padres, man. But um, oh. yeah. Oh. Sorry to be a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah. no, all right. Wait, we we won't hold it against you. They're two Cinderella teams, really, yep. that yes. that have made it, and uh, and they're going to be going up against each other. I can't wait to see what happens because you guys have such great pitching, and our bats just lit on fire. So I don't know. Uh, we're going to see how that all plays out, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But man, I, I'm I'm going to let you go. I know uh, you. I'm sure you've got some things to do. Appreciate you taking the time with us. And uh, sharing all this great appreciate appreciate you being part of the Bass University. Yeah, it's an honor, guys. Anytime, uh, I'll talk to you guys anytime. Love hanging out. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Excellent. Josh Bertrand, everybody. Yes, sir. See you guys. U.S. Congrats. Open champ. Good job. Yeah, that's uh, what a, what a great win. I gotta get back out there to fish. I want to do that format. That format yeah. sounds fantastic. I'm surprised it hasn't migrated east. Mm-hmm. To That's be honest with you, that. that is that is awesome. Yeah, if they've been the one bass uh, runs that they have a circuit out there, mm-hmm. you know that uh, on the west coast they've been doing it for a long time. It's well, it's well received. They love it. You can see the U.S. Open had almost 200 boats in the field. Yeah. So it's awesome. It's really uh, a great big field out there, and uh, hope to get out there one day. But we'll we'll get out there soon. Maybe we'll do it through Bass Cat. Got me Riz. got me fired up to. Like, I, it makes me want to go throw a drop shot. Right? Yeah, just like the way he's, you know, talking about how he was catching them. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, man. We, Susquehanna River, here we come. I haven't yeah. done much. Uh, you used to be. That's all that's you threw, all I used. That's all I used to throw. Then the chatterbait came. Yeah, and, and then I started I started fishing the Chesapeake. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, well, man, it, it makes me think, like, man, God, just lean. Like, just it, you, we always say leaning, like leaning yeah. back. But it's more like lifting up yeah. on those big smallmouth down in 40 feet of water and so much the fun. rod doubles down and just yep. you start hearing the drag instantly yeah so much freaking fun yeah lake champlain well, man you can do that all day well you can you know and yeah. honestly gdp huh. teaches us that you can do that down on the chesapeake all oh, day yeah yeah too. Really? i yeah. mean they they love biting the drop shot down they there. absolutely do it, <laughs> but it's it's a different when you're in that deep of water deep clear water for smallmouth it's just a different you know, in really fun way of fishing, you yeah. know, so we, Pete, let's set up the trip. We're going to Lake, have where, wherever he was, Mojave. I got, I We're got, going. I had the, the greatest time and I, guys, I want to just tell you last chance. If you're watching over on Facebook, like, and share it. And uh, we're going to be giving away uh, one of these champions club boxes. And, uh, and we're going to have a, a grand prize question for you uh, and be giving away that prize here shortly. But uh, what? I, let me tell you about my experience out there. I went to uh, uh, fish the Bassmaster uh, Top 100 back in the 1800s out there at Lake Mead. <laughs> I was I, fishing guaranteed. They're high and dry where I was fishing. Right. And uh, and we had a 30 day off limits period, so it was cost prohibitive to come home. You know, as I I got out there, I. I practiced, and then I had a 30 days off, so I used that time to uh, practice on Lake Mojave yeah. and Lake Havasu. That's awesome. And I uh, I just I fished those desert lakes in preparation for the Lake Mead tournament. And awesome. uh, really unique bodies of water, gin clear. It's some of the clearest water I've ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, and just unique habitat. But the fish, as clear as that water is, I'm telling you, they they're some of the most aggressive fish right. that I had encountered. Yeah, it seems like but, those lakes just don't get a ton of pressure. Like you said, Mojave doesn't get much pressure most of the year. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a Lake Mead 
has tournaments on it. Uh, right. Lake Havasu, I think, gets a little bit more. Mojave, I think, is the one that's squeezed in the middle. Right. So maybe it doesn't quite get as much pressure. Yep. yep. But in crate, yeah, desert. Um, Donkeys, yeah, walking the banks, yeah, um, bighorn sheep, yeah, great, just it's just like, stuff that it's like yeah. fishing on the moon. It's like a, it's like a part of you know bass fishing that I feel like it gets kind of like overlooked and kind of forgotten about, like that those lakes are out there. Like you know, thinking back to you know the late great Aaron Martin's when he won, uh, he, at he won Havasu. at Havasu, yeah, and he's he's flipping toolies. For- Way back for these big giant largemouth that are eating freaking blackbirds, like, yep. dude, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, why are we not seeing this? Come on, Bassmaster, go back to Havasu. We want to yeah. see, we want to see more bird eating giant bass get caught. Yeah, it's uh, those. There's so many interesting things and ways to catch them. That's yeah. a that's unique. The the Delta, which I think we would be comfortable on because we yeah. fish oh, the yeah. Chesapeake all the time, but I. But the only difference there is a lot more 10-pounders yeah. on the Delta. Did you fish that back in your day? Never did. No. Never fished the Delta, and I never fished Clear Lake. There are two, two oh, on my hit list right, that, I'd, fix that. that I'd like to get out there and fish. Hmm. But, um, hey, let's get let's give away some stuff, Rich. Cool. Right. cool. Um, so we, we got to – I'm going to do a, uh, a trivia question. A trivia the, question? Yeah, for the grand prize. Okay. Um, and the trivia question for that is going to be uh, – let me pull up my – my Bass U TV website here so I can monitor the answers. Uh, the trivia question for that is going to be what kind of rod we need the rod uh, manufacturer, length, and model. What kind of rod was Tristan McCormick using in his Bassmaster Open Win on Lake Hartwell? We need the manufacturer, the length, and the model. Oh, I, re- I it, it escaped me. But now I remember. That's a good question. I remember now. There's mm. a connection to Bass University. Yeah, there could be. Connection to Bass U. I, that's how I remembered that stuff. That's a that's a great question. Um, well, I got a like and share. Yeah. Cool. You want me to do it? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Johnny Lawson is our winner today. Johnny, Johnny Lawson. Lawson. All how right. About that? There you go. Awesome. Let's, let's, look, box. let's look inside. Oh, man. These things are awesome. They got all kinds of goodies. Johnny, we're looking in your box. Hey, we got a Salzy. Yeah. Autograph. And if you're new to Bass U and you are a Champions Box member, look for that offer and some, some cool Bass U stickers. We've got a great this, uh, enrollment offer in there in October's box, so it should be coming to you shortly. Speaking of ca- West Coast, that's a Castaic square bill. Yes, look at the sir. size of that square bill. Yeah. Yep. Man, funny. I didn't have that in my box. That's a big dog. And we talked about top water this morning. Mm-hmm. Hey now, there it is. All there right, it is. all right. Good job, uh, Johnny Lawson. I'll, I'll shoot you a message for your address and stuff. Congratulations. Yeah, we got a grand prize winner too, um, as well. We have a grand prize winner also. That's Zona's fishing rod. That is correct. Oh right. The yeah. winner is Chuck Fish with a. He gave me all the details. Lose seven foot all purpose Mark Zona That's rod. Right. So that's yep. the. Uh, that's what we were looking for there. We were looking for the manufacturer, the length, and the full model. So, good job, Chuck Fish. Send me your customer number, and we will get you your prize out in the mail. By the way, if you haven't uh, checked out Zona's uh, instructional stuff on Bash University, you want to go. You want to go check it out. Some of our most viewed stuff. Mark is. Everybody knows him as a, a brilliant commentator on the Bassmasters, but he's also a uh, tournament competitor from uh, 
from years back and a super talented angler and a lot of great stuff. In particular, the dock fishing seminar sticks out in my mind oh, yeah. uh, with Z, uh, as well as some really cool smallmouth tactics. Uh, Absolutely. Square bill seminars. Got to go check it out. If you haven't checked out Z, just go into the category section, look for Mark Zona, and it will all be there at your disposal. Some Guys, good stuff. 30 days free at BashU.TV. If you haven't signed up, go do it now. We have a great uh, annual package going on right now. Is it, what is going on right now, Scott? Uh, the Boom Boom Special. The Boom Boom Special. Oh, you get that swim yes, bait. Sir. Yeah. Swim bait, sign hat, up face shield. Annually, you get your Boom Boom swim baits. Shout out, shout out to Ron Banis. Riz, I think you're going to see him next week. See you next week, Freddie. All right. And, uh, and we're going to give you a Bashu hat if you s subscribe annually as well as a face shield. So check it out. It's awesome to have you guys with us. We're going to be back next uh, Tuesday with another edition of Bash University Live. We'll keep you posted. Wish you guys the best fishing uh, in the fall and wherever you're at. And go Phillies. Go Eagles. We'll see you next week. Get out the way, he's in the